Chapter 19 of The Art of Travel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Art of Travel by Sir Francis Galton. Chapter 19 Sleeping Bags. Knapsack Bags. These have been used for the last twenty five years by the French douaniers who watch the mountain passes of the Pyrenean frontier. The bags are made of sheepskin, with the wool inside. When not in use, they are folded up and buckled with five buckles into the shape of a somewhat bulky knapsack, which the recent occupant may shoulder and walk away with. The accompanying sketches are drawn to scale. They were made from the sleeping bag belonging to a man five feet six inches in height. The scale should therefore be lengthened for a taller person, but the breadth seems ample. Its weight was exactly seven pounds. The douanier post themselves on watch, more or less immersed in these bags. They lie out in wet and snow, and find them impervious to both. When they sleep, they get quite inside them, stuff their cloaks between their throats and the bag, and let its flap cover their faces. It is easy enough for them to extricate themselves. They can do so almost with a bound. The Spanish custom house officers who watch the same frontier use their cloaks and other wraps which are far more weighty and far inferior in warmth and protection to the bags. I described these knapsack bags in Vacation Tourists for 1860 and I subsequently had a Mackintosh bag lined with drugget made on the same principle. I had a hood to it and also the means of buttoning it loosely under my chin to make myself watertight during heavy rain. In that bag I passed many nights of very trying weather. On one instance, I selected a hilltop in Switzerland, on the way from Chambéry to the Dent du Midi, during a violent and long-continued thunderstorm. The storm began above my head, then slowly sank to my level, and finally subsided below me. Many alpine travellers, notably Mr. Pack and Mr. Tuckett, have adopted these bags, and use them continually. Mackintosh is certainly oppressive to sleep in, though less so than might have been expected, as the half-unconscious fidgeting of the sleeper changes the air. A man in travelling condition would probably find a drugget bag more healthy than Mackintosh, even though he became somewhat wet inside it. Beds used to be almost unknown in some parts of the Pyrenees. Sheepskin sleeping bags were employed instead. Thus, I am assured that at the beginning of this century there was hardly a bed in the whole of the little republic of Andor. The way of arranging them as knapsacks is, as I have said, a recent invention. In figure one, the wide opening to the mouth of the bag is shown, also the ends of the buckles and straps that are sewn on patches of leather for additional strength to the lower side of the bag, as seen in figure two. It must be understood that the woolly sides of the skins are inwards. The straps that hold the knapsack to the shoulders are secured by a simple fastening, shown in figures two and three. But the ordinary knapsack hooks and rings, if procurable, would answer the purpose better. The straight lines in figure one show the way in which the bag is to be folded into the shape of figure three. Figure four shows the sleeper inside his bag in which he fits very like a grub in its cocoon. There is no waste of space. 
For the sake of warmth, the bag is made double from the knees downwards, and also opposite to the small of the back. During the daytime, when the weather is wet or cold, the bags are of much use, for the douaniers sit with them pulled up to their waist. When carried in the manner of a knapsack, the bag sits perfectly well against the shoulders, but owing to the yielding nature of its substance, it lies too close to the back and is decidedly oppressive. A wicker frame might well be interposed. Arctic sleeping bags. Arctic travellers use coarse drugget bags covered with brown holland to make them less pervious to the wind, and having a long flap at the upper end to fold down over the face. I have already extracted passages from travellers' accounts relating to them in speaking of encamping on snow, and another when speaking of snow walls with tenting for their roofs. Mackintosh Sack Mr. Faulkner writes to me as follows. I travelled in 1841 from Austin in Texas to Mexico through New Mexico. I left Austin in June and reached Zacateras on Christmas Day. During nearly the whole period we travelled from Austin to New Mexico, I camped without any covering at night for myself except a large mackintosh, made up as a sack, with a piece so laid as a continuation of one side as to be used as a coverlet, sufficient in length to be brought from the back over the head and down on the breast. Inside I placed my blankets. I slept under this covering during many a heavy storm at night, and got out of my soft-coated shell dry in the morning. My opinion is that every traveller who works his way with a horse should fix on his own saddle the said mackintosh sack, two blankets, a tin cup and a frying pan. It is amazing when you get into real working order how few things are sufficient. Peasant's Sack The peasants in the northern parts of Germany use a strong linen sack made to draw at one end. This they stuff with straw, hay, dry leaves, etc., and, putting their feet into it, pull its mouth up to their armpits. They use them when driving their wagons in winter, and when lodging at their wretched roadside inns. Bag combined with tent. I should think that a combination of a sleeping bag with a very small tent, just large enough to enclose a man's head and shoulders, so as to permit him to eat or write when lying in his bag without fear of the wet, would be the smallest and lightest arrangement, compatible with efficiency in a stormy climate. End of chapter 19